0: Hello everybody, if you remember me, my name is Mo Bergeron, and I have had the joy of being able to address you saints at New Life in Toronto, and communicate to communicate the love of Jesus to you, and for both me and my wife to have a wonderful, sweet fellowship with you, to have the privilege of staying with Anne and Andrew at their home on several occasions now, and it's been a delight. Now, I'm sorry that we cannot be with you this year in person. We live on this side of the border, south of the border. And, you know, there are restrictions even on a statewide basis here, as far as what we can and cannot do. Uh, the church I serve up in Bosco, New Hampshire, is meeting now um, at the church building, with, of course, taking great caution to how, as to how they do that. But myself and Karen, especially myself, given my age and my medical history, it's been deemed best, at least for the time being, for us to stay away. And so I've had the privilege of bringing messages like I'm going to bring to you right now through this medium. Uh, Do up a video. Hopefully people watch it. Hopefully people get blessed. And that's my prayer for you this morning, that you would be blessed in the things of Christ. As we go through the first chapter in the first 11 verses of the chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Okay, With that said, could you open up your Bibles? I'll just pause a moment so that you may get to your Bibles. Open your Bibles. Take your last sip of coffee or whatever. And just uh, sit there and relax. I'm sure you're probably in the comforts of your home or with one or more believers, and I'm thankful for that, and you should be thankful for that as well. But anyway, let's open up to Philippians chapter 1. I can read the first 11 verses. I'm reading from the NIV, although my study, my exposition, if you want to call that, will be from the New uh, NIV Reader's Version. Okay, let's begin. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of our God. Let's bow pray. a prayer. Father in heaven, we, we thank you, Father, for this letter uh, that you moved by the Holy Spirit for Paul to write. We thank you, Father, that it was motivated by love. And, Lord, we pray that this love that Paul feels so deeply for the saints of Philippi would also be the love that we would feel for your children even here at New Life in Toronto. So, Father, we pray that you would help us to see these things in your word. Bless us, O Father, as we go through the first 11 verses to learn of you. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen. I love Paul's letter to the Philippians. I just, just marvel at the uh people get occupied and preoccupied with how often he says joy and i love joy and i think joy really works uh, for those people who have a reason to be joyful uh, and paul had a reason to be joyful you know because when he considered the church of Philippi, they were partners with him in the gospel but you know he doesn't stop there there's a reason why believers have joy there's a reason why we are who we are in Christ Jesus, and I think we'll see some of those things as we go through our text. I'm, I handle this, of course. I'm not I'm not in a pulpit. I'm sitting in a chair in my dining room, actually, with the props, whatever. And uh, you know, my wife is with me, and both of us together um, really want you to be blessed. But I'm not going to tell you anything new. Uh, there's no novelty with Mo on that's for sure, and. And with deep regard for each and every one of you is I know that your pastor and your teachers are very good at what they do I love their hearts I, I love being with Andrew in his living room talking about the things of Christ and seeing him begin to weep because then I begin to weep I'm a crybaby for Jesus and he's a crybaby for Jesus too I don't know if you've ever seen that in him. but you know I love crybabies for Jesus because they know something of the love of God Well, looking at verse 1, Paul says, we, Paul, and Timothy. It's interesting he includes Timothy here. He does that now and then, includes some other folks as he's addressing uh, a letter to a church. Uh, But this time here, he's addressing it with Timothy. He's right by his side, I'm sure. And they're kibitzing as to what Paul is going to write. Of course, we can see, uh, we get a deep sense as we go through this letter, that this is really, truly a letter from Paul. He uses that first person language that really is telling. But I think probably Timothy sitting aside of Paul is saying, yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. So anyway, he says, we, Paul and Timothy, are writing this letter. We serve Christ Jesus. We are sending this letter to you, all God's holy people in Philippi. You belong to Christ Jesus. Now, as we know, Philippi was a city in Greece. It was a very influential city, had a deep history. It was considered a little Rome, a little Rome. Uh, The the city was named by uh, uh, Alexander, the conqueror, uh, for his father, Philip of Macedonia. And so it has a rich history. Uh, The Romans conquered it, of course. And uh, I don't know how it, it went for them. They probably were still a proud people, proud city. Paul described them in this letter as God's holy people it's not a way we normally describe each other it's not a way that we describe churches today but we should we should we should say that the saints at Bosco in Hampshire Sovereign Grace Fellowship are God's holy people and the saints in New Life Church in Toronto are God's holy people and we should be able to say that about any community of faith believers, followers of Christ, Christ lovers. They belong to Jesus, their Messiah. They were his special possession. Uh, again, every Christian is holy because they are in Christ. Outside of Christ, we're no one, we're nobodies, but inside Christ, we are highly blessed. The second part of verse, what it reads, we are also sending this letter, we, Paul and Timothy, are also sending this letter to your leaders and deacons. Interesting, you don't usually find that type of a beginning in Paul's letters, but he is focusing on the, the church as a whole, and in a secondary sense, he's addressing the leaders of, leadership of the church. As to why he would do that, I think it's because leaders really play a very important role in the direction the church takes, Paul recognized them, the church, to be partners in the gospel. He could not do that unless the elders, the teachers, uh, the deacons were on board with that. And for that, I'm sure Paul was very thankful that they were. In verses 2 through 5, it reads, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. <laughs> I am happy because you have joined me in spreading the good news. You have done so from the first day until now. Now, Paul's initial path, if you're aware of it, to Philippi was far from predictable. Perhaps you remember the story. Beginning his second missionary journey, Paul's plan was to go to Asia. Okay, And on the way, Timothy joined him. It was Paul's desire to go to Asia to minister there, but the Holy Spirit said no. His experience should remind us that God governs our footsteps. That, too, was promised. In Psalm 37, verse 23, it reads, The Lord makes secure the footsteps of the person who delights in him. Now, I don't know about the person that does not delight in him, but the promise to those that God... See, the promise to those that delight in God is basically God saying to them, "Your foot, your footsteps, are going to be in the right direction." In other words, wherever you go, wherever you go with Christ, it's the right way. In Acts chapter sixteen, verses six through ten, we get something of the you know, the account of Paul's journeys. It says in. It says this here, Luke tells us, uh, Paul and his companions throughout traveled all through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. The Holy Spirit had kept them from preaching the word in Asia Minor. They came to the border of Mysia. From there they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not let them. Interesting. So they passed by Mysia. They went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. He saw a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over, come over to Macedonia. The man said, "Helpless." After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, and he writes, We decided that God had called us to preach the good news there. Interesting how... Oh. They traveled a good distance before they finally realized God said no. And you have to go there, not here, not there. Paul probably expected to find the Macedonian man when he saw, the one he saw in a vision. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You see as someone in a vision, you expect to eventually meet him in the flesh. At least probably that's what Paul thought. But this is what he found in Philippi. In verses 11 through 15 of Acts 16. He says, or Luke's writing, At Troas we got into a boat. We sailed straight for Samothrace. The next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, the Roman colony. It's an important city in that part of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. On a Sabbath day we went outside the city gate. We walked down to the river. One of the women listening from the city of Theatra excuse me, we, we, uh, we picked this up again. We walked down to the river and there we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of the women listening was from the city of Theatre. Her name, Theater, however you pronounce it, her name was Lydia. And her business was selling purple cloth. And then it adds, and she was a worshiper of God. Is this a coincidence? This is not the man of Macedonia. This is a woman named Lydia. She was a worshipper of God. And then it adds, the Lord opened her heart to accept Paul's message. She was already worshipping God. But then she heard the rest of the story. She heard that god sent his son into the world to save sinners and that's the message paul is bringing he's bringing it to you perhaps right now god sent his son into the world to save sinners save sinners from eternal wrath his own wrath and to bring them home so that they may spend an eternity with them in glory but lydia's response was this she invited us to her home do you consider me a believer in the Lord? She said, if you do, come and stay at my house. She succeeded in getting us to go home with her. Really a remarkable account. The, the generosity of Lydia. Immediately, immediately, she had this wonderful response to Christ and his disciples. And it was evident through her actions. In verse 6 it reads in Philippians 1, God began a good work in you. Paul, Paul's totally taken back. He's reflecting upon what God has done in them. And before he got in prison, he said, God began a good work in you. Then he adds this, and I'm sure that he will carry it on until it is completed. That would be on the day Christ Jesus returns. Interesting things there. So while in prison for his faith, he did a lot of letter writing to the churches. We can see that. The evidence is there. There were no smartphones or internet back then, so letters were the favored way of communicating. You could even use Twitter. It wasn't there. It did not exist. Printing presses did not exist. It suggested that the ten years, years—that probably ten years had passed since Paul and his companions met Lydia and the woman with her on the riverbank praying. And now he's in prison for his faith at a great distance. And now he's reflecting on the work of God amongst the saints of Philippi. He tells those young saints, because they're probably young in the Lord, 10 years at the most probably, uh, who knows what the least would be and how many other people within that church brought others to Christ. But he says, God began a good work in you. How could he be so confident? But Paul is. He saw evidence of the mighty work of God through his spirit in the company of those saints. And then he says with full confidence of God's power to save, he adds, I am sure that he will carry it out until it is completed. Wow. You know, He's speaking to the church community here, and he's looking at the church community. He's looking at the individuals within the community. He says, God began a good work in you, and God's going to complete that work in you. And then he adds with his next breath, that will be on the day Christ Jesus returns. So they're still waiting for that completion in some sense. That's the same hope all of us share in Jesus. Just as promised by the angels as Jesus was raised to heaven, in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, and then 9 through 11, he said to them, You should not be concerned about times or dates, as so many of us are so wrapped up in, shamefully. The Father has set them by his own authority. After Jesus said this, he was taken up to heaven, the apostles watched until a cloud held him from their sight. I don't know about you, but I would have kept on looking. <laughs> I would, the angels are going to be talking to me. It says, and while he was going up, they kept on looking at the sky, and suddenly two men dressed in white clothing stood beside them. Angelic beings for sure. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? That would have been me. Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven. But he will come back in the same manner, the same way that you saw him go. We should keep looking up for his return. Anyway, Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus assured the saints, he says, Little flock, little flock, don't be afraid. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's what they're waiting for—the consummation. Question: Have you ever taken the time to tell another saint of God? Maybe your wife, maybe your husband, maybe your believing children. Pick somebody—somebody somebody randomly in a church where you, which you love, who you know is a lover of Jesus. Okay. When's the last time you said to them, God began a good work in you? Of all people. <laughs> We'd like to add that, but he doesn't say that. God began a good work in you. And I'm sure that he'll carry it out until it is completed. Wow. You know, when you have the opportunity to bring somebody to Christ and you see the the joy and the uh, this. Is so filled with love for the for God, for you, for the church. It, it's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing because we have to keep in mind, you know, the parable of the sower and the seed, and the soils and the rocks. And uh, that happens too. Many receive the word joyfully, but something happens, and before you know it, they're right back uh, lost in the world. So we we basically we basically see that happen, but the joy of seeing believers continue persevering in their faith it's an amazing thing to behold in verses 7 and 8 it reads "Forgive of that phone by the way you should have turned it off <laughs> Paul continues he says it is right for me to feel this way about all of you all of you I love you with all my heart I may be held in chains, or I may be standing up for the truth of the good news. Either way, all of you share in God's grace together with me. God is my witness that I line for all of you. I love you with the love that Christ Jesus gives. Wow. Don't just read these words and just slough them off. You're seeing here the heart of Paul for these dear saints. And I have no doubt in my mind if Paul ministered to your, your church in time he would say the same about you. In time he would know the joy and the love of Christ amongst you and be able to stand back in amazement. That's why he encourages us to grow and grow more in these things. So if you were in prison in chains for months and perhaps years and that were a crime you did not commit, you're innocent. What would you, what would you be thinking of? Or who would you be thinking of? Was he so sad and so distraught that he, he lost sight of what God had done through him? For these saints, what they had did in response to his faithful service to Christ, he's thinking about them. He loves them. Even in the midst of his sufferings, he's thanking God for them. The work of God. It's one thing for us to read about Aaron putting his staff down and turning into the snakes and, and the magicians of, of Pharaoh doing the same thing, seeing the, the staffs turn likewise into critters as well. You know, that, that sounds like a big deal. No, what Paul is talking about here, what Paul is thankful for God is a miracle, a much greater miracle than any musician or even Aaron ever pulled off. He's talking about a miracle of God, a salvific work amongst these people at the Church of Philippi. I I love this. He says, it's hard to imagine. I I, I used to change this around automatically in my head when I read it. Never read it right. (laughs) He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. All of you. I don't think he knew any exceptions because he did say all of you. He wasn't lying. It is right to feel this way about all of you. Now, I would say, the way I changed it around, I said, is it right that I love all of you like this? You see, that's the Mo drawing the flesh speaking. I really don't want to love all of you, but I, I have to because you're in Jesus. I've heard that before. I, I remember one brother that, you know, I, I said to him, I love you. And, and because he thought he offended him, he says, well, because of Christ, I love you. Wow! thank God, there's Jesus. But, you know, it should spring forth from our hearts, our love for one another. And to say, because of Christ, is that's a cop-out. That's a grudgingly express expression of love. It's cheap. And then he adds, I love you with all my heart he deeply loved these saints and prayed for them and God answers prayer their love will, will grow Paul's confidence is in God's grace towards them but I love it I love you with all of my heart you know I don't hear many teachers and pastors and deacons saying, saying to the saint saying to the saints of God I love you with all of my heart I love you God has done it in me. But you know, I feel it. It's part of my expression. It's genuine. It's real. I love you. You know, even when we just visit, it seems like for a moment, you know, you saints in Toronto, even when we visit, there's something we take away all the time. Uh, We feel the love of the saints in your company, we feel your love as we are in your company. To go to that baptismal service and just to watch how you faithfully confess Christ. What a, what a joy it was for us to be able to be there. To be privileged with, you know, seeing your expression of love for Christ. It just encouraged and you might say added fuel to our love for you as well. Even though we weren't that long amongst you. And here's another thing. I love going to Toronto because uh, Andrew makes the w- most wonderful coffee in the world. Okay, So I have a selfish reason. Well, all of this is only half the story. You see, inscribed on the shoulders of the high priest in the Old Testament were the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. We see that in Exodus 28, verse 21. Paul had, you might say, the names of God's children upon his heart. Well, the high priest is pictured Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ when he went to the cross died for us. Because he loved us. It wasn't an accident. The names of the tribes were inscribed upon his breastplate. And it's no accident that Jesus went to the cross with your names, my names inscribed upon him, upon his heart. Some people say, do you see the wounds of Jesus? Do you see his hands? Do you see his feet? Do you see his side? Do you see your name there? I think that's something we should consider. Your name was written on Christ as he suffered in agony on the cross. Paul loves him with all of his heart. and His heart is fashioned after Jesus' heart. Their names were inscribed on his heart as was the names of Israel on the high priest's robe. Bear with me. Verses 9 through 10. Paul says, I pray. I love it, the way he writes and prays at the same time. I pray that your love will grow more and more. And let it be based on knowledge and understanding. Then you will be able to know what is best. Then you will be pure and without blame for the day that Christ returns. Now, this is Paul's, I want you to do even more statement. It's his encouragement. Do better. No, he didn't say that. He said, do more and more. And I think there's a difference in our thinking, at least today. I pray that you, your love will grow more and more. How will love grow, Paul? Paul, how will our love grow? He doesn't leave us hanging here. He doesn't stop at the period at the end of that sentence. No. He, he goes further. Okay. In, in, he says, your manifesting of Christ's love is dependent on at least two things. Okay. The first of which is knowledge. Biblical love is anchored in the truth of scripture. In it we have a Lord's example of manifesting his Father's love. There's no greater picture drawn for us of God's love than what we see in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right? King James quote. It sticks. You know that's why my first Bible, but it sticks. God's love is best exemplified in His Son Jesus Christ. God, the Father, manifested His life, His love for us, in the face of Jesus, in the actions of Jesus. So He says, "Well." He says we should be loving more, more and more. He's not kicking us because we haven't loved enough in the past. He's just encouraging us, spurring us on to do more and more, and that according to knowledge. Yes, apart from Jesus, we have no better example of the love of God apart from Jesus. Than what we see manifested and recorded for us in the scripture of Paul's love for the saints. Paul, in his entirety, his, love, his, his walk before God, is a real manifestation of the love of God in Christ for us, for that church. He exemplified how someone who is rescued from the dominion of Satan in the world. Was buried in his sins and his ignorance. He's an example of someone that God is able to take take out of the trash heap and transform so powerfully to the point where he really, truly exemplifies Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'd love to be able to say that to you with comfort. Hey, folks, (laughs) follow me as I follow Christ. You know, I'd be very hesitant to say it as with the same strength and sureness of Paul. Nonetheless, we should be able to say the same. Then he says, not just with knowledge, but he says with understanding. And however it reads in your, your your translation, love is not blind. It carefully studies to know the difference between right and wrong. I rather couch it this way: it carefully studies to know what pleases God and what does not please God. We have to be careful. Moral people can be moral people in some sense, and not. Motivated by love, the love for Christ and love for the saints. They're just good people. God's word serves as directions and the God reels for our life's journey here on earth. Keep on that road, and your love will continue to mature to the day you have entered into God's presence. Verse 11 Paul continues. I'm going read verse 9, 10, and 11, okay? You have to keep it within context a little bit. I pray that your love will grow more and more, and let it be based on knowledge and understanding. Then, then, underline then, you will be able to know what is best. Then you will be pure and without blame for the day when Christ returns. You will be filled with the fruit of right living, The fruit of right living produced by Jesus Christ. All these things bring glory and praise to God. Did you get that? Let us sink in. Who would have assumed that right living is the fruit produced by righteousness? Right living is produced, is the fruit produced by Jesus Christ at work in you? Who would have assumed that? Don't pass over the word filled. It speaks volumes of what God has prepared to do in and through you. You still with me? You over there, stay awake. As we grow more and more in the knowledge and understanding that God has provided for us, it will lead to three things. This is what Paul is saying in verse 11. Knowing what is best. Purity. Holiness. Until Christ comes again. The fruit of right living. Fruit, you know, it's something you pick from the tree. Okay? We abide in the vine. Christ is the vine. Okay? We bear fruit. Do you have any fruit worth picking? With fruit for right living is produced by Jesus Christ in you. He is the source. You are the vessel. You can't do anything unless you abide in the vine. You can't. Union with Christ is, is such a blessed reality for the believers who, who love Jesus, who have, who have committed themselves to following him. One of the things I just want to touch upon, because we're getting close to the tail end here. He says, knowing what is best. A lot of Christians don't think they can know what's best. They always are running off to somebody to know what is best. And there's nothing wrong with that. To get counsel, maybe they can bring something to bear from the word that will... Add to what you're already thinking or maybe even correct your thinking. I think that's one of the benefits of being in a, a community of believers is that we're able to bounce things off of each other. And what better thing to do than bounce things off of each other is to how we can best please God. Do we do that? Is, that? is that the message we give one another? You know, one of the things I enjoy here and then is watching... Pastor Andrew uh, bring his messages. And I, I love his sincerity. I love the way he clearly communicates the truth of scripture. And he does it in such a practical way that even an old timer like me can watch them and, and just be thankful that God, God is a genius in the way he works with us. And Andrew really has a clear way of teaching God's word because he is motivated by love. He pursues the knowledge. He pursues the understanding so that he's able to communicate it with you and you with one another. And the best blessing to Andrew or to your teachers and leaders is that you would return the favor. That you would also be a blessing to them. That would be their wages in some respect. There's no greater blessings for a pastor or a teacher to have his students come up to him, the disciples of Christ come up and say, that was so good, this is what I've learned. Mm -hmm. Lastly, we know that we're involved in his spiritual warfare. Paul's letter to the Ephesians spells that out. The enemy seeks our destruction. And love for one another is of paramount importance to withstand the wiles of the devil. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 in his gospel, he's telling us what Jesus said, sort of in that farewell section in John's gospel. I give you a new commandment. Well, we already have 10. We don't need a new one. Yes, you do. And he's seeing the fulfillment of that commandment. Jesus could say within himself. I give you a new command. Love one another. You must love one another. Just as I have loved you. Uh, You know, this is before the cross. They're going to take this away. They're going to remember this as they did after the cross. Love as I have loved you. Self-sacrificial love. Cross-focused, cross-centered love. And then he adds, if you love one another... Everyone will know you're my disciples. (laughs) So you get all of Toronto. You have all of Ontario. You have all of Canada and those south of the border. Okay, you want them to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want them to be saved. You want them to be able you be able to call them brothers and sisters. You want them to cherish your God to have joy. How do you do it? You love one another. That's what Jesus says. If you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciples, students, my children. You can save a lot of money in advertisements. You can save a lot of money in multimedia. Or you can save a lot of money in a lot of things we do, churches do, with song and dance and the, the eloquence of speakers, so forth, so on. All you basically have to do is manifest the love of Christ towards one another and to the world about you. That's it. That's Jesus' formula for people knowing the gospel. Let your light so shine. So, picking up with Paul again, and as Paul has prayed, we too should pray. He says, I pray that your love will grow more and more, and let it be based on knowledge and understanding. Then, two thens here, then you will be able to know what is best. It's worth repeating, isn't it? Then you will be pure and without blame for the day that Christ returns. Wow. You know, you can't manufacture this kind of love. When Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you can't keep Christ's commandments with a heart heart of stone. The only place, or the only means of love being manifested through you is through the new heart that God has given you in Christ, the new birth. And his depositing his Holy Spirit within you. We are manifesting God's love. Not a love that we've manufactured out of ourselves. We manifest the love of Christ. That's what we see Paul talking about in his first chapter of Philippians. He's manifesting the love of Christ that each and every one of us can equally manifest. Do you want to manifest the love of Christ? I don't want you to stop beating yourself up all of this I want you to look with great encouragement to God who is able to fill you with all things for his glory look to God and ask him please let your love shine forth through me and start loving prayer father in heaven we we thank you father for your love we thank you for the love that we see exemplified in your son and father we thank you for the love we see exemplified in paul but not just with paul we see your love manifested through saints we have met in the course of our in the course of our life as christians we just want to do what paul encourages us to do we want to do it more and more in your son's name father in the name of jesus amen